This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. John 3 and 16. But this is, a, a, um, again, I, I love, I love this, this subject. I really love it because then you can see we can really go back and tie things. We can really go back and tie things and see uh, how it's all working. We can go back and see how um, it's all tying and working together. And it, again, it started from the birth. So the, 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 the topic of my piece, what I've what labeled, and I had a hard time labeling this because I was kind of all over the place, but um, what I've narrowed it down to is Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. And I want us to, 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 I want to admonish you again that as you're born, and like I said, no, we've already said it. It's nothing, there's nothing wrong with putting up your Christmas trees, nothing wrong with our celebrations, with our lights. It's nothing wrong with buying people things. And you should be giving all year. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. You should be giving all year. But it's nothing wrong with you giving in this season. But we have to remember the greatest gift of all. The greatest gift of all. I heard Minister Martin say one year him, him and his family, they decided they weren't, because they were trying to put some financial things in the place, they decided they weren't going to give any gifts. And people were, was hot about that. People giving them things and them not giving. And, but, it, when, but again, if everyone would keep in mind the true reason for the season, they wouldn't have been upset about him not. Because they would, uh, first of all, they wouldn't have said, okay, I'm, I'm in position to give, I'm giving, I am giving just as God gave. I'm giving just as God gave. And so the reason for the season, so a lot of times people talk about, you know, the gifts and, and all of that, and we, we try to piece and, 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 and put together why, you know. Well, sometimes we don't, we don't have a reason why we do what we do. But, but you know, they, we relate giving gifts as the wise men bringing gifts to, you know, the, the manger. Not the manger, because he wasn't in the manger at that point. We, we uh, always talk about, you know, all those, those little things. But let me tell you this. We give because God gave to us first. That's the reason why we give. We give because God gave to us first. Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. So Christmas, as, as we celebrate it, we talked about it, I've said it. Christmas, as we celebrated it, it has overshadowed. It has overshadowed the true focus of what this season is really all about. And actually the primary focus, he is the primary focus in every season. In every natural season, as the seasons change, he is still the primary focus. Every season in our lives, he is still the primary focus. In every season, naturally and the things that go on in your life, he should be the reason that we celebrate the reason why we rejoice, the reason he is the reason in any and every season. And that is what we need to focus on. If we keep our focus right there, and we're going we're gonna to see some things today about, about what, what uh, his birth and what, what all that he's done, what that means for us today. We're going to see that. But if we would continue just to keep that at the forefront of our mind, Jesus is the gift. He is my gift. He is my gift, and he keeps on giving. Day after day, season after season, month after month, he keeps on giving. 
And I am the recipient of that gift. I am the recipient of all that he has done, all that he is doing, all that he will do. I am the recipient of that gift. And that is, if we would just keep our minds right there, just keep our minds right there, then we would be good. We wouldn't struggle so much. We would be good if we would stay. Keep our folks in. It, it, it just, it happens. It happens. I get it. I get it. I know. I, I live in this, in this world too. Things come up. And when things come up, Jesus is not always our first thought. Just keep it real. When things come up, Jesus is not always our first thought. But I solicit to you today that he needs to be your first thought. That's what we need to be exercising. Exercising that. When things come up, immediately we need to run to Jesus. Uh, immediately our thoughts need to be on Jesus. Immediately our thoughts need to, we need to practice. you got to practice that. And you know how you practice that? It's every morning when you get up, your mind needs to be stayed on Jesus. <laughs> when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, your mind needs to be stayed on Jesus. And throughout the day, when those things come up, again, you got to exercise that. When somebody says something you don't like, your mind needs to be stayed on Jesus. When somebody cuts you off on the road, your mind needs to be stayed on Jesus. And all of us, all of us, we're, we're, we, we are all guilty. We're all guilty of it. But that's why God is saying, I need you to, put, I need you to exercise that. I need you to put more exercise in that. Just like you eat every day and you eat those meals every day, just as, as, as consistent as you are with all of those other things, I need you to be consistent with keeping your mind stayed on me. Consistent with that. John 3 and 16. We're going to start right here. Sorry, I'm not there. John 3 and 16. And the scripture said, reads, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God sent the Son into the world that the world through him might be saved. And so here we see that God loved us so much that he gave. He gave and he sent. Not only did he give, but he sent. Keep that in mind. He gave and he sent. So what is a gift. I said I made that I made that, that statement. So God, Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving. So what is what is a gift? We all know what a gift is. We've all received gifts. We've all given gifts. It is the act of giving. A gift. It is the act of giving. The act of giving is a gift. Okay? Something given voluntarily without payment in return. Something given. So I, I, I look. I dare say that Minister Martin, when they were giving him gifts and he wasn't giving anything back, it wasn't voluntary because they were looking for something in return. So those weren't really gifts. They were giving them something, but it wasn't a gift. 
Because here we see that a gift is something that is voluntarily given without payment in return. You shouldn't be expecting anything in return when you give a gift. You hear that? You shouldn't be expecting anything. Listen, if you have it in your heart that I'm giving this in hopes of getting things in return, know that that's not a gift. Know that you have yet to give. You have yet to give. If that is your train of thought, if that's what your mindset is. God did not give to get something in return from us. He freely gave. As a matter of fact, God gave to us when we were taking from him. When we were taking our worship, when we were taking our praise, when we were withholding all of it, he still gave. So God gave, he gave without expecting anything in return. And we, the gift, so you're giving something voluntarily as to show favor toward someone. You give to show favor, you give a gift voluntarily to someone to show favor towards them. I favor you. I favor you. And so I'm going to give a gift to show favor towards you. It's to make a gesture of assistance. A gift. You make a gesture of assistance. So it's not always about, about monetary things. It's not necessarily all about physical things. Not necessarily. You can give something in assistance. That's a gift. When you're assisting someone else, that is a gift. Not expecting anything. Which I'm not doing for you because I, I'm, you know, I'm not cooking a meal for you because I want something in return. I'm doing it because you need assistance. That's a gift. That's something that you are giving voluntarily, expecting nothing in return. You're giving assistance. That's a gift. So we give gifts, something bestowed. A gift is something that is bestowed or acquired without any particular effort by the recipient. It's something that you acquire. It's something that you are given. It's something that, that uh, uh, you are a recipient of without it being earned, with no effort on your part. Without it being earned, with no effort on your part. That's a gift. Then you know someone has gifted you. Then you know someone has gifted you. Remember, I, years ago when I found me pastor and, and, and a, a group of people... Um, and I didn't know it about it at the time. I think I was fairly new to the ministry. But the church called, we called ourselves giving our pastor a gift in the form of a vehicle. We gave him a gift in the form of a vehicle. But it required some effort on his part. Because it wasn't for completely. You get it? We gave him something, but it wasn't a gift. We gave him something, but it wasn't a gift because it required something on his part. He had to make payments. How are you going to give a gift and then expect for me to pay for it? That wasn't a gift. As a matter of fact, now you have put a burden on me that I would not have had had you not Giving me whatever it is that you gave me. Now you're putting a burden on me. (laughs) 
So a gift, keep this in mind, always keep that in mind. A gift is something. So listen, I mean, it can be as small as this, as small as this. When you buy children toys and you're giving it to someone, you know, you, you buy, if it requires batteries, guess what you got to do? You buy the batteries too. It's not a gift. If it requires any effort on their part, guess what? If you buy someone something and it requires assembling, you better assemble it, have somebody else to assemble it and have it shipped. Or have it shipped and have someone, whoever, have them to put it together. Because if I have to, you're sending it to me, and I have to take it out of the box and put it all together. Now, I, now that's effort on my part. You've taken my Saturday away that I did not want. I had other plans for my Saturday. That wasn't a gift. Oh, get it. Catch that. That wasn't a gift. Because now you, you have placed a burden on me to put something together that you wanted me to have. You wanted me to have that. But now you're making me put it together? What kind of craziness is that? If you want me to have it, you need to be sure it's already put together when you give it to me. Or at least, at least make arrangements for it to be put together. Okay, I'm shipping this to you. It's in a box. But guess what? You don't have to worry about it. You let me know when you're ready and I will come by or I will have somebody come by and put it together for you. That's the gift. No effort on my part. So now you go back and think about all those things that you thought were gifts. Go back and think about that. And guess what? Correct it and change it. Now you know better. When you know, when you know better, you do better. Go back and apologize to all them people. I mean, you put that together. I'm sorry. I didn't include batteries in that. I'm sorry. You had to go. Guess what? How much were those batteries? I'm going to love it. So I'm just going to reimburse you right now. Go back and apologize to all them people you thought you were giving gifts to. No effort on their part. It shouldn't be an effort on their part if you call yourself giving a gift. God did it. God already, listen people, God already, he already laid the plan. He already, he already showed us how to give. He showed us how to give. When he gave his son... He did not require us to do one thing. All we have to do is accept Him. That's all we got to do. We didn't have to carry no crosses. We didn't have to do, we didn't have to shed no blood. We didn't have, we didn't have to do anything but accept that gift that He was giving freely. That's all we got to do. When you get a gift, what you want to do? All I want to do is accept it. That's all I want. He showed us how to do it. Completely. He showed us. Jesus. The gift that keeps on giving. So since this act of giving, which God gave when he gave his only son, a gift is something that is given voluntarily, which he did when he favored us, sending his son to be able to offer us, to offer man, to offer us forgiveness. And redemption when we hadn't earned it. We didn't deserve it and we didn't earn it. But he gave it freely. 
So because of that, we can agree. This is why I said that Jesus is the gift of God. We can agree that that is the gift. Just based on the, just based on the description, just based on the definition and how he gave, we know that Jesus is a true gift. Amen? Gift is also a special ability or capacity. A gift is a special ability or capacity. And we've been taught through scripture that grace is also a gift. That's a special, that's a special capacity. It's a special ability that God has given. And grace, grace is that gift. A special endowment or capacity. So how have we been offered this grace? Turn to chapter 5. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. And we're going to start, uh, we're going to read verse 15. Romans 5, verse 15. The scripture reads, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. So the offense, we're talking about the offense of Adam, his sin, his disobedience. The offense of one, but, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, the offense of Adam, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So we see here that the grace of God that was given... The grace of God that was given is the gift of grace. It was given by Jesus Christ. It was by one man, Jesus Christ. And it had abounded. His grace had abounded. His ability, his special ability and special capacity, it abounded unto many. That's what the scripture tells us. So here from, from, the, from this scripture we see that love, from, from those two scriptures, John, John 3 and from Romans 5, that love and grace, listen to this, love and grace is who God is. Love and grace, that's who God is. And they are part of his attributes. So not only is that, that's just who he is, but if it's just who you is, if it's just who you are, the, the attributes are going to come out automatically. If it's who you are, it's just going to come out. It's just going to be, if you are a giver, it's nothing. You will, you will give without even realizing that you're giving, if you're a giver. So it's become a part of who you are. And so, and so it's, it's, just like, it's just like breathing. Uh, it's just like breathing. Because it's a part of me, so then that means it's an attribute that I have. But it's just a part of who I am. So this is God. This is God. Love and grace. That's who he is. And because that's just who he is, it just comes out. <laughs> He has, he can't, he can't, he can't help himself. He can't deny himself. He can only be who he is. And that comes out through his love and through his grace. So his love and his attributes, his, his, who he is and his attributes, they have come out into us in a special way. God, Christ, Jesus is a special ability. It's a special capacity. It's a special endowment. They are his glory. His love and his grace, they are his glory, God's very presence. If it's who he is, if it's who he is, that means that the love and the grace that he has shown through Christ, it is him in his very presence in the demonstration of Christ. 
His very presence. God's very presence demonstrated through love and grace. It is His very presence that it comes forth through Christ Jesus. Why? Because He is the gift. Jesus is the gift that God gave. For He so loved the world that He gave Jesus and we know that grace, when he ascended on high, he let captivity captive. He gave gifts unto men. It was all about Jesus. God is, a, he is demonstrating his power. He is demonstrating his love. He is demonstrating his grace through Christ Jesus unto us. But it's only, it is only through Christ Jesus. It is only through him. He is the gift that God gave. Look at this in Romans chapter 6. Just a page over. Romans chapter 6. Let's look at, uh, let's see. Look at verse 23. 6 and 23. The scripture reads, For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord so through Jesus Christ we have also been given the gift of eternal life 1 John 1 and 2 turn there, turn there, 1 John to 1 and 2, keep your let me not come back to that so just, just remember that scripture, keep that in mind let's turn to 1 John Chapter 1. And let's look at 1 John 1. Let's look at, at verse 2. Verse John 1. Verse 2. For the life was manifested. Oh, let's start from verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. So this is John talking, and he's talking about, he's talking about what he's seen from the beginning, which we have heard, the things that they heard, the things that they saw, the things that they handled of the word of life. So because we saw him, because they handled him, and they're talking about handling him when he was resurrected from the dead, we're talking, we're talking about that. He's saying, he is the word of life. Now look at verse 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. The life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So here, through Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. Jesus Christ being the life, it was manifested. And, and, and bear witness and show unto you the eternal life which was with the Father. The eternal life was with the Father and was manifested unto us. In other words, listen, in other words, life manifested unto us in the flesh. Life manifested unto us in the flesh. And I don't care, you know, think of, you think about your own life. You think about what you think life is. 
you know, thing we think life is about what we drive and about what we wear and about the education that we have, about the job we have, about the children we have, about who we marry, you know, about the, the accolades that we get, about being the best singer, being the best, you know, all, we think about that's what life is. But here it says that life was manifest, and Jesus was none of that. Jesus was not consumed with any of that. Jesus was only consumed about one thing, and that was what? Being about his father's business. That was the life. That was the life. All he was concerned about, that's the only thing that consumed his time, was being about the father's business. And yes, don't get me wrong. Yes, there are some natural things that we have to do. Guess what? Jesus had to do some natural things. When he walked this earth, he had to do some natural things. Because he was a human. He put on humanity. So he had to do some natural things that still didn't negate the fact that he had his mind focused on doing the will of God. He was the gift that God sent. And he only had one job that he considered priority and important. That he considered priority and important. So it's not to say that you, we, again, we have to do some natural things because we live in a natural world. We have natural bodies. We have to do some natural things. But guess what? Those things cannot be your priority. You should have been in family life this morning. Those things cannot be, cannot be your priority. It's only things that you have to do. But your priority, your priority, if you are saved, you've been saved, sanctified, and delivered, your priority should be, set, should be about sharing the gift. <laughs> That's your priority. It should be about sharing the gift. Because Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. You got it. He is the only gift that you can keep and give at the same time. The only gift you can keep and give. That's that's an awesome gift. That is an awesome gift that you can keep it and give it at the same time. He is the gift that keeps on giving. The gift that keeps on giving. Jesus the Christ. So, why is the birth, why is the birth of Jesus important in our lives right now, today? You know, sometimes we act like we, you know, Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? You like to sing that song, what have you done for me lately? As if what he's already done is of no effect. It's not important. But guess what? You know, I'm going to appease you today. I'm going to appease you. I'm going to let him know. I'm going to let you know. Now let's figure out, let's find out why he is important, why the birth of Jesus is important in our lives right now, today, and establishing our ministry. This gift of Jesus Christ, it allows us, I said he keeps on giving, it allows us to continue in God's love, to continue in his grace. I know you were looking for something profound, but that's the profound enough. His grace. The gift of Jesus, it allows us to continue in the love of God. It allows us to continue in 
His grace. It allows us to keep our hope of eternal life if we keep our minds on Jesus. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Let's look at this. I love this scripture. Romans chapter 8. And if you're ever down, if you're ever, you know, when you feel like you've gotten you've bogged down and things are going haywire and, 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 and things are just not looking like, looking like nothing, just looking like nothing, go to this scripture. Romans chapter 8. Let's look at verse Uh, Let's start with 31, Romans 8 and 31. This is why, this is the reason why Jesus is important in our lives right now and today. Verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? Let me me set this up for you just, just a little bit. The scriptures before this, it's speaking of sufferings and persecutions. Speaking of sufferings and persecutions. So here we pick up. In verse 31, what shall we say then, what shall we then say to these things, those sufferings and those persecutions, those things that he talked about in those other chapters? What shall we say then? Verse 32, if God be for us, this is what we say, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, he didn't spare his son, but he gave him freely. He gave him Freely, So he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And look what it says. I like this. It says, uh, shall he not with him? Shall he not with him give us all things? With him. He says, you are not getting nothing from me unless it comes through Jesus. The gift that, the gift that keeps on giving. He says, what, what, verse verse 31 again. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, thank you, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, he did not spare him. He gave him freely. He gave them without any connection. Just he just gave him. He that he gave him unsparingly. Just gave him. Didn't think twice about it. He just gave him. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up also for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So he's saying, look, look. He says, I've given him up. I spared not my son. Surely, surely, if I gave him from the beginning, surely, through him, I will continue to keep on giving. Surely I will. Just as I gave him so that you might be set free. Just as I gave him so that you could be a son and a daughter of mine. Just as I gave him so that you would have to taste death and hell and the grave. Just because, just like I gave him, surely if I did it for that reason, I can keep you in your day-to-day walk. Surely I can. Surely I can keep you in your day-to-day walk. If I'm concerned about your future years from now, if I'm concerned about that, surely today, while today is today, surely today, I can keep you. He says, look, nor, 
Look at verse, uh, look at, let's see, let's, let's look at verse 30. Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. We're going to get to that later. We may not get to it this morning, but we'll get to it tonight. Who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us, love? Hallelujah. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Yea, through all of these things, through all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Listen, God has already, through Christ, He has already done what He needed to do with your enemies. Your adversaries, all the haters, all those things that you think that that you're struggling with and you're going through, guess what? They are already defeated. You are struggling with something that's already defeated. You're having a hard time with something that's already been defeated. Listen, he said, mourning and sickness and all of those things. You're struggling with that, but all of those things have been defeated. Oh, y'all don't get that. Y'all don't get that. Listen, even when you have sickness in your body, you're not feeling very well. Understand, understand that that is only for a season. It's only for a season. And even if, even if you don't see the manifestation of it like right now, like before you, like before you die, guess what? There is a life to come. There is a life to come. And listen, I don't want you, don't get tripped up. Don't, you know, I think we think, we think, I think, but just because we don't know, we don't know. None of us know because we ain't been there. But I think we believe that once we die, and then once we die, that's it. We won't, after that, when God, when we are raised from the dead, do you think you're going to have some consciousness about what's going on or where you are? Think about that. When you are raised, when you are raised with your immortal body, when you put on glory, do you think that you're going to have some consciousness about where you are? Surely you will. Because the scripture tells us that we have a work. We're going to reign and rule with him. You're going to have to have some consciousness. So even if you don't get healed on this side, guess what? You're going to realize that healing on the other side. You're going to realize. Don't let that trip you up. Guess what? Because this life, this life is temporal. It was only meant to be temporal after the after the sin after the, uh, Adam sin. It was only meant to be temporal after that. That's all. That's it. But the scripture says that who can separate me? Who can separate us from the love of God? I don't care what I go through. Who can separate me? From the love of God. Just because I don't see the manifestation of my healing on this side, that does not mean that God does not love me. It does not mean that. Why? Because he's already promised me a hope. He said, even if it don't happen, guess what? This is not the end of your life. It's not it. Everything that I promised. Everything that I promised you. 
you shall see it come to pass. Whether in this life or the life to come, you shall see it come to pass. See, I know we can't get excited about that. We can't get excited about that. That's just like Christmas. Because we want everything right now. We want to see the gifts right now. We want to see the manifestations right now. We are right now people. But God is not a right now God. Despite what people say, despite the songs, he's not a right now God. Guess what? He's not even an on time God. Oh, I done messed with somebody. Oh, don't fall. He's an on time God. Yes, he. I know. I done messed with somebody. I used to sing those same songs. But now I know better. He's not an on time God because time is in his hands. He's not on your time. He's not on your time. He's on his own time. And when his time, in the fullness of time, that's what the scripture says, in the fullness of, he does everything in the fullness of time. That's not on time. That's the fullness of time. There's a difference between being on time and being in the fullness of time. He does things in the fullness of his time. Whatever that time might be. So while we are thinking that we are, you know, we, we, we got our hearts and we got our set on things that we want right now. With our right now God. With our own time God. And then when it doesn't happen, when we think it's supposed to happen on the time that we think it's supposed to happen, then we think he's failed us. Guess what? You failed yourself. Because you set an expectation that was unrealistic. You set an expectation that was unrealistic because he never said he would come on your time. He never said he would do anything. That's why the scripture tells us to wait patiently on the Lord. That's why we got to wait patiently. We got to endure and we got to wait patiently. That's what we got to do. He's coming. Oh, don't think he's not coming. Don't think he's not going to do what he said he's going to do. But you got to wait patiently. And you got to endure. Wait patiently on the Lord and endure. He says, nay, in all things, verse 37, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, I love this, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. It is in Him. Nothing can separate us. Listen, let me break this down for you. Let's break this down. Just as Paul, he said, this is Paul talking, by the way, in verse 37 when he says, uh, no, verse 38, he says that I am persuaded. Paul saying, he's saying here, and we know, we know the persecutions. If you haven't, you go back and read about Paul. He suffered many persecutions. Jailed more than once. Imprisoned more than once. This brother was writing letters from prison. The priority. His priority was what? Getting the gift of Jesus out. That was the priority. I'm going to give this gift. That's my priority, regardless of what I'm going through. My priority 
is getting the gift, the message of the gift of Jesus out. That was his part. He says that I am, this man, he says, I am persuaded. Listen, all these things that we go through, all these things that we go through, we got to be persuaded just like Paul is. Just like Paul was. We have to be persuaded. Fully persuaded. God's love for us manifested and demonstrated through Christ should be a full and a strong and an affectionate persuasion. It should be a full and a strong and an affectionate persuasion. The love for us that God manifested through, demonstrated through Christ Jesus, it should be a full and a strong, affectionate persuasion that we cannot be separated from His love. You should be fully persuaded. Not because of what I say, but, what, but because of who God sent. Not because of what I say, or any other preacher, or minister, whoever. Not because of what you hear. Not because of what you hear. Because you can read, you can see. From Isaiah, Isaiah and the scriptures, the, the scriptures fully. Throughout the scriptures, it tells prophesied of the coming king, of the coming Christ, of the coming. It's all prophesied in Old Testament, all prophesied. And then we see it come to fruition in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We see it coming to fruition. Surely, listen, surely if he can bring what he promised to pass from the Old Testament to the New, surely if he can bring it to pass, then he can keep you and bring his promises to you till the end. That's why Paul was fully persuaded. He says, look, I've seen what my God has done. I've seen it. So who can separate me? What? can separate me from the love of God. Because I can see through, it, through everything that goes on. He said, listen, Paul says, the Lord kept me. Even when I was in prison, he kept me. He kept me. Even in my imprisonment. Even when folks were turning their backs on me. Even when folks were trying to kill me. The Lord, he kept me. Surely nothing can separate me from the love of God. Neither death, Nor life can separate me. Neither persecution can separate me. Whether people are cheering for me or jeering for me, that cannot separate me from the love of God. Not from His love. Neither death nor life. What does this mean? What does this mean? Neither death nor life that we see here in verse 38. Neither in us putting death to our flesh. When you put death to your flesh, you what? What happens then? Some things you go without. I'm putting death to my flesh. Oh, see, we don't like to hear that. We don't like to hear that who can set me, separate me from the love of God when I put death to my flesh. You get it? You see, the, neither death me putting things in my flesh to death, neither that nor the comforts and the pleasures of life. He says, either way, either way, nothing can separate me from the love of God. He says, I've learned to be a base. I've learned to have and to not have. Nothing can separate me. 
this is why, this is, this is why it's important right now and today. Right? Because somebody's thinking about something that they don't have. Oh, come on now. Things that you wish you could get for Christmas? Somebody. Oh, I wish I could get that. I'm going to have to settle for this because I can't afford that. Things that we wish that we could get. Things that we wish we could give. Oh, I wish, I wish. I remember I, I used to be that way with, 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 uh, with, my, with my daughter. You know, I wish I could get her this. I wish I could get her that. Guess what? She's still living. She's still breathing. She didn't need it. It was just what I wanted her to have. Not that she needed it. She shall live and not die. And guess what? Your children, if you don't get them what they want, and if you don't get them what you even want them to have, they shall live and not die. And who tell them who can separate us? No, we don't. But who can on Christmas morning get a, who can separate us from the love of God? He is the gift that keeps on giving. Whether we have something to open or not, He is the gift. Already open, already revealed. He is the gift that keeps on giving. What can separate us from the love of God? Oh, see, I know this is not shouting news right here. This is not shouting news. Somebody's not excited about that because I know you want to get what you want to get and you want to give what you want to give. I get it. But get over it. Get over it. If you ain't got it now, you only have what? 15 more days or so, whatever it is. If you ain't got it now, you're not getting it. Move on. Guess what? Who can separate us from the love of God? Not death, nor life. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. What else does that mean? That means neither the fear of death or the hope of life can separate me. Neither the fear of death. Some of us fear of how we're how we going to die. We, we fear dying. We fear, we know all of that. The fear of death, nor, neither the hope of life. And we have hope of eternal life. But neither one of those can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate. Listen, if, if you're not getting, if you're not getting the trend here, he's saying whether good things or whether we consider it bad, whatever we consider, he says in all things, in all things, in all seasons. That's why I started by saying that in all seasons of your life, who can separate you from the love of God? In every season, in every season, who can separate you from the love? In your seasons of lack. Who can separate in your season of having? Who can separate you from the love of God? And don't get the big head. See, that's what happens. Right? When we have those things, when we get the things that we want. That's why, that's why he's trying to remind you. Don't, even let, don't let those things separate you from the love of God. How do we separate ourselves from the love of God when we have? We stop coming to church. We don't need, at that point, we don't need God. You, guess what? You're separating yourself from his love. You're separating yourself from his love. Oh, I don't need it. Now I'm good. I got everything I need. I got everything I want. As a matter of fact, I'm working overtime to get it. But it's okay because I'm getting it. And you've just let something separate you. From the love of God. You know God's love is you coming and hearing his word. When he sends his word. Ooh, when he sends his word. That's him sending his love. That's him sending his grace. 
When you come in here and see that word, a word that's going to change or a word that might keep you, he gives you, lets you hear something to keep you from happening. So work that over time. You know what? If we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us. You know, those things come with it. If you, but your priority has to be God. It says, if we concern ourselves with him first, seek ye first the kingdom. That's the priority. If you seek him first, then all the, the scripture says in Matthew, all things shall be added. What don't you get if you seek him first? We don't want the seeking first. We just want all the things that added. But it doesn't work that way. You gotta seek him first. Seek ye first the kingdom. And here's what? His righteousness. Oh, we can't forget that. We can't forget that. Seek him first and his righteousness. You live in a righteous and a holy life. All things will be added. All things will be added. But you gotta seek him first and his righteousness. And then all things will be added. Guess what? We're still talking about the gift that keeps on giving. Why? Because his holiness and his righteousness is only found in Christ Jesus. You gotta be in him to be holy. You gotta be in him to be righteous. When you're seeking him, then that righteousness will come because you're seeking him. And then, guess what? Like I said, God can only be, Jesus can only be who he is. When you're seeking him, that's all he has to offer you. That's all he got for you. That's all he got. So you seek him and his righteousness. And then all things will be added. Listen, that's why Paul, Paul went through some things, but he says that I make in all things I am a base. Why? Because I'm seeking God. I'm seeking him and his righteousness. All those other things, it's going to be added. And even if I don't get it, what can separate me? What can separate me? From the love of God. Not even physical death or life. Not even physical death. Because again, the believer, it can't separate you from the love of God. Because after your physical death, there is eternal life coming. Nothing can separate you. That, you know, that's the end of God's love. That's the end of his love and his grace. That you be united with him. Huh? That, that is the end. Eternal life. So that you may live eternally with him. That is the end of his love and his grace for you. The gift that keeps on giving all the way to the end. And it's only through Jesus that you're going to get it. You can't have eternal. What did Jesus say? He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come unto the Father except by me. He is the gift. That keeps on giving to the end. The gift that keeps on giving. What a gift. What a gift. What a gift. And we make light of it. We make light of it. We make light of it when we put all other things before him. We make light of it when we're seeking things seeking things and not making him the priority, we are, we are making light of that gift. We're making light of it. We're making light of it. Of that gift. Scripture says, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. What does that mean? Neither God's angels, his messengers, nor Satan's workers of darkness. Neither one can separate me. Neither close friends, Neither close friends 
or restrained enemies can separate me. Those who I keep far and obey, nothing can separate me. Not even close friends can separate me. Not even the enemies that I keep are far away. None of them can separate me from the love of God. Nor things present, nor things to come. That means that neither the pressures of these current troubles, here we go, neither the pressures of the current troubles, nor the fear of troubles or uncertainties. See, we fear what we don't know. Those uncertainties, those things that that, that we just don't know. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen next year? What's going to happen in three years? We're fearing all of those things, but nothing can separate me. It does not even matter because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Neither pressure of current troubles nor the fear of troubles or uncertainties of the future shall separate me from the love of God. Things that are present, listen, things that are present, they attempt to separate us from things to come. Listen to that. Things of the present, they attempt to separate us from things to come. What does that mean? That means the things that I go through today can hinder me from getting what God has for me tomorrow. Things that I hold on to today can hinder me from receiving what God has for me tomorrow. We mourn the death, the, 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 we mourn the deaths and the separations from our loved ones. And it's okay to mourn. And we're going to have our days. But if you choose to hold on, some people choose to hold on to mourning. See, there's a difference. The difference in mourning and holding on to the mourning. When you choose to hold on to mourning, you will miss God's healing for you. You can miss it. I've seen people that have strayed away from God. They allowed death. To separate them from the love of God. Not understanding that in God's love, that's where they were going to find their comfort. All they had to do was hold on and wait just a little while longer. All they had to do was choose life. All they had to do was choose. God says that I am here. I am with I long I am with you even until the end. I'm with you. Ooh, and I love, we're going to get to it tonight. I, I love because Jesus, guess what? He can be touched by our infirmities. He already knows because he lived a human life. He lived in humanity. He knows what you go through. Guess what? When Lazarus died, guess what? He cried. He wept when Lazarus died. But guess what? He knew. He said, listen. I'm going to miss him being here. But I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nothing can separate me. Don't miss that. And that's, and I, I talked about death and I talked about losing somebody. But that's any, 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 anything that you're, true, that you're trying to hold on to. Anything. Anything that you're trying to hold on to. It's leading to your destruction and your demise. It's leading to you not being able to go on. 
It's leading to you not having hope. It's leading to you not having joy. It's leading to you not having peace. It's leading to you. It's, it's leading to all of those things. If that you are holding on to something, you are going to miss what God has for you. You're going to miss it. And he has it for you freely. He's freely given it through Christ. He's freely given it. Nor things, mm, things that come. Okay, so we said that things present attempt to separate us from things to come. But things to come attempt to separate us from the present as well. Because you're worried about, you're concerned about, you're, pri- or you're, you're preoccupied with the things that are going to come that you miss what God is doing right now. Oh, don't, don't, don't miss that. Don't miss that. See, a lot of us, some of us are, are you know, we're excited. You know, we, 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 we know that we have a new pastor coming. We know that eventually that, that pastor, um, uh, we will have a pastor in the, in the form of, of Isaac. We know that. But if you are looking, looking to that, looking to that, you're going to miss what God is doing right now. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. We can be so consumed with what is going to happen that we miss what God is doing in the present. You can't be consumed. You can't be preoccupied. And again, I said that about that situation, but that's about anything in life. Guess what? You are consumed. You are preoccupied with getting married. You are consumed. You are preoccupied with having this CEO job. You are consumed. You are preoccupied with having this and with having that, that you are missing what God is doing right now. He is wanting to use you in certain areas, but he cannot do that because you are not in place. He, you are not here. You are not present. You are not in place because you are preoccupied with something that is going to happen. Well, you need to be living right now. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Because again, if you seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, all things will be added. Don't think, we think that we're going to miss out on something. You are going to miss out on something. You're going to miss out on what God has for you right now. That's what you're going to miss out on. And guess what? What God has for you is far greater. I know we hear it, you hear it, but you don't believe it. But what God has for you now is far greater. Listen, if he can send, if he can first prophesy, send prophecies to send Jesus, and then he sends him, He can do far more things for you. We don't get it. We're not seeing that. You don't see it. That's because you're not fully persuaded like all of us. You got to be fully persuaded. You got to be fully persuaded. The Lord is concerned about you. He is. He's concerned about you in good health. He's concerned about you. With pl- He's concerned about all of that as it relates because he wants, he wants that to happen. He wants you to be that because he wants you to be able to be free 
to do what it is that he wants you to do. But guess what? You have to show interest that you want to do what he, want, what you, what he wants you to do first. And then he will be make sure. <laughs> so you don't get that. You think that God needs to give me what I need, what I, you know, things that I think I need right now. And then I'll serve it. No, you won't. No, you won't. If you can't serve him now and be in the present now doing what he wants you to do now because you don't have. If you don't have it, that means you have the time to do it. You have the time to devote. You have the time to prioritize what it is that he wants you to do. If you can't do that right now, then when you get those things that you're trying to get, you definitely won't have time. You won't make time. You won't find time. So we think all backwards. God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. That's what he says. You got to let this mind that's in Christ Jesus be in you. You got to let that mind be in you. Because he's not, not going to change the other. He's not reversing that. He's not reversing it. He's not going to give you what you think you should have so that you can serve him. What? He says, no, I need you to serve me and then I'll give you. That's nothing different from what I said from the scripture. I didn't make that up. That's in the scripture. It said in Matthew, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and then all things shall be added. The scripture says that. I didn't say anything different. I didn't say anything different. God is not changing that. That's his way. That's his way. Jesus is the reason. And Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. He is the gift. That's why we got to have, that. That's why we got to have a different mindset. That's why we're teaching this, because our minds need to be on something greater. Our minds need to be on something greater. We need to be focused, our minds need to be focused on something greater. Got to be focused on something greater, something outside of you, something outside of what you want, something outside of what your family needs, something outside of that. You got to be focused on something greater, the gift of Christ Jesus that has been given to you. That's where your focus needs to be. Our focus needs to be right there. Nor height, nor depth. This means neither the height of financial prosperity, the preference of treatment. You know, we all like to get peripheral treatment. You know, we all like to, you know. None of that. None of that can separate me. Nor the depth of adversity. So neither preferential treatment or the depth of adversity. Neither one can separate me. Shame, humiliation. Cannot separate me from the love of God. Here, that's, listen, listen. Neither shame nor guilt can separate me. Once I have repented, neither shame nor guilt can separate me from the love of God. It does not matter what I have done. If I repent, if I come to Jesus, he says, what can God be for me? Who can be against? He sent his son that I might have life. He sent his son to take my sin. He sent his son that I would not have to endure the shame because Christ endured the shame on the cross. He took it. He took it. That is good news, 
somebody that is some good news. No matter what you've done. No matter what. I don't care what it is. You repent. You press. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And you press. And you continue in the love and the grace of God. If God be for me, who can be against me? Listen, don't allow, don't allow people to put that shame on you. Don't allow people to look down on you. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. If you are right with God, in Him, in Christ Jesus, only in Him, if you are in Him, you can boldly put your shoulders back and you can lift your head up high. Because no shame, no guilt can separate me from the love of God. His love and His grace. Nothing can separate me from His love. Nothing. The work at the cross. Nothing can separate me. I know we're talking about the birth. That too, because in order for Him to die, He has to be born. So it all comes together for you. It all comes together. I rejoiced at his birth because it was only then that he could then lay his life down. The love between. Oh, how he loves us so. The love between God and us, it exists in Christ Jesus. The love between God and us, it exists. It exists only in Christ Jesus. He is the root. He is the ground of the steadfastness of our love. Jesus Christ is the root and the ground of the steadfastness of our love. The love that we have between God and us. This is why God rests. Look at this in Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3. And I think I'm going to end with this because I don't want to. Yeah, I'm going to end with this because I don't want to get caught in that. Zephaniah chapter 3. Look at verse 17. I know that's a hard one to find. Zephaniah. And I'm not going to judge. You remember I had a hard time finding Habakkuk that day. You know, and I never found it. You know, I never found it. Okay. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It reads, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. 
He will joy over thee with singing. If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's look at this. When he says, he will rest in his love. The love of God exists in Jesus. He is the root and the ground of steadfastness of our love. This is why God rests in his love. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the same. <laughs> you know what? The gift that keeps on giving. He is the same. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. We change. But Christ does not. That's why God can rest in his love for us. Because when we're in him, he knows that we're fickle. He knows that we're in and out. He knows that we're back and forth. He knows that we can be for him one day and against him another. He knows that. He knows that. But it's through Christ Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. It's in him. That's where I love and forgot. Our God's love for us is rooted, it's grounded, it's steadfast in him. Because he is the same. Yesterday, today. And forevermore. Listen, that same baby Jesus that was born however long ago, in him was all things given. As he grew up, all things in him. As he lived his life, sinless priority. He says, God, God says, he will always make me his priority. That's not going to change. He is the same yesterday. Today and forevermore. And that's why I can be steadfast in my love for you because you are in Him. You are in Him. And when I see you through the eyes of Christ, I only see, I only see my love and my grace that I have established, that eternal life that I have given for you. That's all I see when I see you in Him. This is why God, Jesus' birth is so important for us right now. You don't ever want to be caught. You don't ever want to be caught. God looking at you and you're naked without Christ. You don't ever want to be caught in that situation. When God looks at you, you, you better, listen, you better have on Christ. You better be in Him. In him, of him, with him, all of that. You need to be, you need to be sure. I'm not caught naked. I will not be caught. I will be clothed. I will be clothed. I will always have on my garment of praise. Always. I will not be found without my garment of praise. Steadfast in the love of God because we are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.